the truth in his heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the, the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, never a chore, always a pleasure, of speaking with the Director of Brand Marketing for the Open Studies Program at the Maryland Institute College of Art. Micah, please welcome Sabrina DePest. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. It is a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I, I, that was the first time I actually said that on a podcast. Always a pleasure, never, never a chore. <laughs> Great, <laughs> sounded so natural. Yeah, I heard it from a wrestler, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna steal that. I'm just gonna use it. This English, you know, sounds better. Uh, so, you know, I want to, I want to start off by um, getting the vital stats. I, I did that literally. That that copy and paste. You know, what what, what do they call it? I did a mining exercise. I was like, all right, Sabrina, Sabrina, take that, put that there. That's my intro line. So, could you give us the background? How do you describe what your work is? And kind of what I took from it is, it's a lot of connections that are happening. You're like the plug. So, tell me about that. Tell me about that first experience with connecting people, uh, whether it's in arts or entrepreneurship. So, those vital stats, your background, and that connection experience. Yeah, really great uh, lead-off question. Um, so to start off, um, I was born and raised in Baltimore, um, grew up in Randallstown, uh, went to Keough for high school, school that no longer exists in the city. Um, and I grew up in a Haitian household. <laughs> um, and you, you talk about connecting people. Um, I was really thinking about this question and I, I just like to experience dope things like um, growing up, I played sports. I hung around. I hung out um, around with a lot of people. Um, I just was a social person for the most part, um, and I feel that it wasn't until actually um, I left Baltimore after high school, went to college in Miami, and I really just gravitated toward going to unknown spots, bars, restaurants, clubs, what have you, um, and just inviting people to these places that I went to. Um, you talk about the, or you asked about the first experience connecting folks. Um, I would have to say it was through working with my colleagues and really close friends where, um, we used to go to this local bar, um, near where I used to live in Miami and right around the holidays, around Thanksgiving, we just started to do a food drive. We invited our friends, our network, our colleagues, um, and it ended up being like a turn up situation and a really cool environment, but we gave back to the community in that aspect. Um, but back to vital stats, um, like I said, I, I grew up in Baltimore um, and went to college at FIU, Florida International University down in Miami, um, where I truly went to college for the college experience. Um, I did not really study for SATs or anything like that. I had a pretty um, interesting high school experience and just really, yeah, didn't really care much about um, uh, the 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 education aspect of like, take the test, pass the test and move on to the next thing. Um, and the irony is not lost to me that I currently work in higher education. We'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I studied FIU um, in business administration with a concentration in marketing and um, really just ended up living in Miami um, after college, uh, worked for the Miami Heat organization, which is a whole other story in and of itself. Um, but I was there for six seasons, got an NBA championship ring, did all the things that you could imagine of partying and like working with a great organization like Miami Heat. And um, um, that was, uh, I'm, I'm shortening my, uh, my experience a lot, but um, that was another taste in connecting people um, to yeah. places and ideas and sports in, in particular. 
And um, I really um, felt that my experience with the Miami Heat organization um, was my first taste of like, what is the customer experience like? Um, I was in charge of a group sales department where we essentially sold the experience outside of just the heat game. So we connected with local nonprofits, organizations, schools, businesses, um, sold group tickets for people to experience, you know, playing basketball on the court for their high school game or doing a, you know, cheerleading routine before the game or during halftime of the NBA games. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that was my experience of connecting people, having this whole customer experience down um, and really just working for one of the dopest organizations in the world, like hands down. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. um, So, so yeah, after, after Miami, um, which is crazy. People are like, why'd you leave Miami? Why'd you leave the Miami heat? And um, I, left for a couple reasons, but um, in 2012 was uh, the year that I ended up um, quitting that really comfortable job. I had nothing else lined up. I was like, I'm just going to quit, do what I love, which at the time I was into wellness and fitness. And um, I traveled the world (laughs) and I was also reading a lot about entrepreneurship, like the Tim Ferriss stuff, um, just all the things of like quit your job and do all the things that mostly white people have the privilege of doing <laughs> without having any like safety behind them. Um, so, so yeah, I spent some time traveling and um, ended up uh, living in New York for a hot second, um, working as a personal trainer and a coach, a CrossFit coach um, in Brooklyn. Um, and then got burnt out from working in New York, um, doing the jobs of, you know, three different people as an entrepreneur and a personal trainer and came back home to Baltimore in 2013, where I have been ever since. And um, essentially since 2013, I've been, um, I've dabbled into entrepreneurship, solo entrepreneurship, working with agencies, working with consultants, um, working as a consultant, and now working in higher ed um, at MICA. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's a, it's a, it's a great, and I know you abbreviated it. I know you did. A hundred percent. I'm like, I, I told you, I, I can go on these tangents, but trying to stick to the, stick to the points here. <laughs> but um, I, I'll throw, I'll throw these three things in there real quick that you may find interesting. One, I had a, had a, uh, because I, I, I like puns. And as I called you before we got started, uh, <laughs> to pest mode, um, so you took your talents from South Beach. That's one. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two, uh, you're the first person I interviewed that actually has a championship ring. Hey. And three, um, it's almost like the way that you described that initial is a bizarro version of what I what my plans were. I went <laughs> to Morgan and had the administration degree <laughs> with a background in marketing. And right. <laughs> I wanted to go to the U. That's where I initially wanted to go. <laughs> Hilarious. So did I. I was I, I think I was like too scared. I was like, I'm never gonna get in here. But um, that's funny. <laughs> I just wanted to have my hair slicked back and dress like a Miami Vice villain. That's that's what my goal was. That's just what it was for me. So for for those unfamiliar with like brand marketing, what does a brand marketer do? And uh, and I, I'll, I'll hit you with the next part after you kind of go into that. because I don't want to just give a bunch of stuff. And it's like, hey, remember this. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so brand marketers. Uh, so I'll, I'll describe what I do and sure. essentially try to. Um, bring it to layman's terms, where essentially I help people connect the dots between the product or the service or the thing that they love or want to experience with the organization and the brand. Um, 
brand marketers in general tend to connect those dots between the consumer and the product or service through a bunch of different sensory communications, such as verbal identity, verbal communication, visuals, sonic identity, um, you know, smells and so forth. And um, I really feel that brand marketers have a really cool, interesting challenge to help problem solve, but also give people um, the product, the service, the thing that they want um, in a way that really attracts them through all these different forms of communication. I want to be able to hit everyone with before I hit the second point. I want to be able to hit everyone with it, like having the the crystal clear audio, the intellectually curious questions. I want to have a smell component to the podcast. Smell like the studio. Yeah, I was like, like I think of Michael Jordan when it comes to it. It's like really the identity of like having that brand in various ways. Like you can smell like the man. You're not going to play like him, but you can smell like him. You know. And uh, just how all of that marketing and all of that work was done around, dude, that's what I think of when I think of how you were de- describing that. Yeah, definitely. So so thinking about the brands that you love, um, like, you know, give me an example or, or two or what have you. But what about those brands really stick out or prominent for you? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so I, I tend to gravitate towards like my own experience, obviously, purchasing things and Um, even just professionally where I've worked. So I will say the Miami Heat um, as a brand is such a great brand. And if you think of sports in general, um, people that gravitate to brands have a lot of loyalty for them for maybe they grew up in their hometown or they are familiar with them because of their hometown. Um, But with the Miami Heat, for example, um, and why I love this brand is because of the customer service, the experience that you feel that you have at any interaction of that brand, whether it's in person at a game, watching it on TV, you're buying the jerseys. Um, so that's that's one example. Um, another example of a brand that I really love is uh, a linen company called Brooklinen. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the play on the word. Um, they're based in Brooklyn, New York, and they really help to, not help, but they really um, just, just change the way people can consume luxury bedding. So like, I like to have my room and my apartment set up in a way that it feels like I'm on vacation. So they provide linens and their packaging is really amazing. And they come, you know, they ship your products with programs and a tote bag. And it's just like a really great experience when I invest in that, um, in those products. Um, and another brand I love, Apple. I mean, just <laughs> like it's just seamless um, integration across all the devices. It's a beautiful product. Um, and uh, I can go on. I, I like a lot of brands, but <laughs> those are some that first come to mind. Yeah, I, I those those brands sound great. And being that I'm, I'm a person that was a late adopter, and now it's just Apple stuff everywhere. It's like, oh snap! I'm, I'm being it's part of the Borg, right? For for Star Wars, right? Me saw a track reference for you. Just I'm being you know just assimilated. It's like I'm just it's Absolutely. look. It's gonna be the iPod. It's it's fine. I literally. Um, yeah. So. In shifting towards, like, uh, I think the the focus of of this series of interviews, could you tell me about the Open Studies uh, program at MICA and um, mission, vision, things of that nature? And what about the mission resonated with you? 
Yeah, um, love this question also. So I, I've been at MICA um, as the director of brand marketing um, since January 2019. So just a little over three and a half years. And I personally feel like I haven't even scratched the surface with when it comes to higher ed and just um, the opportunities that exist within MICA and the Office of Open Studies. Um, but Open Studies is an academic unit within the academic affairs division of the institution. So um, you think of the traditional undergraduate experience, which is the four year residential experience. You think about the residential graduate program experience, which could be one or two year programs. Um, and then you have open studies, which consists of non-degree and degree programs for K through 12 students for non-degree opportunities, as well as adults um, for non-degree opportunities. So lifelong learners. Um, as well as our graduate programs. Our mission um, is really to fuel creative journeys um, through different and convenient innovative learning models that provide access to um, the college's resources um, and art and design education. And really what resonates with me with that mission is just the access to resources, right? And the ability to learn anything about art and design. Um, and personally, like I gravitated toward this because I'm like, I, I don't necessarily consider myself an artist. Like I don't know how to draw, but I'm interested in the creative process. And I'm interested in problem solving through creativity and open studies provides courses and programs and workshops that really center the art and design education for people of any skill set, any age, any background. It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, I definitely got that vibe in the interactions that I've I've had in, in being on the campus and maybe having a conversation at a, at a programmer's lunch. And, you know, the conversations that you and I've had and other ones that have been a part of the series so far, that's it, it's it's great. It's it's it's, it's broad. And I, I think that you're able to just find things like because it's such so so much diversity in who can be in a class it's like oh like i remember uh one of the things that trish said from five to 105 and i was like that's great that's a, a wide range of people from various walks of life so it's great um so i read that you uh volunteer your efforts and and that you volunteer with your efforts uh focusing on supporting and connecting youth entrepreneurs um and leaders in education art social impact and tech sectors so um tell me about a project that like sticks out for you like you have like a fond memory of and, and why it sticks out yeah that's a it's a really really great question um so what first comes to mind is actually uh, I used to work for uh, Lululemon, the retail apparel company based in Vancouver, California. Uh, sorry, uh, Canada, not California. Um, <laughs> but at the time, um, this was in 2015, um, they had a brand that was solely focused on young girls called Aviva. And myself and a colleague of mine were essentially in charge of building the new brand awareness in Baltimore. And um, if anybody knows anything about Lululemon, it's um, primarily uh, athletic uh, athleisure, and they essentially have um, products or had products at the time for um, uh, for young girls um, who were athletes or danced or were in gymnastics. Um, anyway, long story short, um, through working with Aviva, um, again, our role was to really just create, um, bring this brand awareness to the region. And one of um, 
my favorite memories um, was this marketing campaign that I worked on with a local media organization called Cool Progeny, um, which is still in existence to, the, to, to this day. The founder is a really good friend of mine. Um, and Cool Progeny is an organization that provides resources, activities, events for families in the Baltimore area, um, for families and, and children in the Baltimore area. And we collaborated to create this campaign called the Many Sides of Me campaign, mm -hmm. where we featured, um, I believe it was five young girls um, in the Baltimore area who um, came to the Aviva store. They were academic leaders, they were athletes, they were dancers, they were lacrosse players and just like phenomenal people. And their parents and their families and their supporters are also phenomenal people. And um, through that experience, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with youth, um, youth, but they're also leaders in their own field, right? They, um, one of the projects through the Many Sides of Me campaign was um, we were able to provide and create a mentoring program um, for them to really think through their goals and aspirations, you know, what high school do they want to go to? What do they want to um, do, you know, professionally? And it was through that work, through the, that Many Sides of Me campaign that I was inspired. I was like, you know, these young girls have like so many opportunities, so much aspirations and so much um, energy to really make a difference in their communities in the world. And um, creating that partnership with that that local media company and then this global organization um, to really tell the stories of these young girls. Like through that marketing campaign, we were able to publish a couple of stories in particular. And um, you know that was you know six or seven years ago at this point. And I'm still friends with them. They're in college now. I'm friends with their parents. Their parents are super cool. Um, actually, um, the Coopers, there's uh, Dave Cooper, shout out to Dave and Jen, who um, you should absolutely talk to, by the way, um, if you haven't already. But um, uh, the husband is a photographer in Baltimore and Jen is a writer and just an amazing, an amazing writer um, and storyteller. And uh, yeah, just being able to create those relationships through those partnerships um, and through, the, through those kids uh, is definitely one of my fondest memories. Thank you for sharing that. Sounds really great. So one of, the, one of the things that I've been playing with more and more and having more conversations focused in this area is the, the overlapping, I think, that happens between entrepreneurs and artists. Like, um, I think for one, one thing that sticks out is they're both creative problem solvers. I think, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're at a certain level, you're like, I got to figure this out and I got $2. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Or I think degree of difficulty with some some artists it's like i'm only going to do work that's blue and it's like oh okay you're being restrictive this is going to be so from your vantage point and i think in in, in working with and in being interested in the artistic process and working with entrepreneurs and such uh tell me about some of those overlapping traits that you see between artists and entrepreneurs yeah that's a that's a really great question you, you ask Thank great you. questions <laughs> um <laughs> i think um there's, there's three words that come up for me um, or traits. So there's the curiosity, right? Like as an artist, as an entrepreneur, you're curious about something, right? You're curious about solving a problem. You're curious about depicting how you feel through an art medium. Um, so I definitely feel like there's curiosity that overlaps between um, artists and entrepreneurs. Um, you mentioned creativity. Um, I, I think that's an obvious overlapping trait. Um, in order to be problem solvers, you have to be creative in how you're trying to figure out how to solve that problem. Um, and then the third trait I would say is um, being a risk taker, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
I, I believe that artists and entrepreneurs, um, and, you know, I'm kind of hesitating on saying successful, but artists and entrepreneurs, like you really have to be a risk taker in order to, um, you know, put your idea into the world or, you know, put your thoughts into the world that somebody can resonate with, purchase, be inspired by. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's definitely a fine balance between both an artist and entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, curiosity, creativity, and being a risk taker um, to me feel like the overlapping traits there yeah uh and yeah I, I think i think like some folks they just sit in that spot and I'm, I'm recognizing how much i sit in it like you know being purely interested in drawing right like um that was that was kind of the area i wanted to go in and i just re remember diving into this austin cleon book and just hearing about this whole thing of if you, you you shouldn't throw away parts of yourself. So this notion of I stopped drawing and I was like, man, I really want to get back to drawing. I felt like I left something somewhere. And then coming back to drawing or coming back to comics is really what I was doing and coming back to it. But in a different way, not drawing, but writing and kind of being in a full production component of it in the middle was be discovering, hey, I don't like the notion of being an entrepreneur. This is really playing with this notion of creatively solving problems. So it's just like, I'm seeing how they they overlap and it's just, for me, it's, it's baked in. And I think for a lot of folks, it's, it's baked in um, to just what the process is, however you're doing it. And, and I'm learning more and more of that from these conversations on this podcast. Yeah, and I, I'd also add to that, it's, um like for entrepreneurs and artists, oh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we could edit this out. <laughs> no, it's all good. Add it. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things like my train of thought derailed. It, it just was like, eh, and I was like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, it was there. <laughs> It'll come back to me. <laughs> it's like, I want thoughts to be part of the taking of Pelham one, two, three. Never mind. That's stupid. Uh, <laughs> so th this this question is a little similar, but I, I really want to focus on the second half of it. Um, what are three traits that you think are? And I know we're we're weird about this. We're successful, but um, let's say entrepreneurs that keep keep at it because I think that's I think that's how we really quantify success. Not giving up is I think success, right? And in that, what do you believe is the hardest trait to maybe get master or get close to mastering? Yeah, that's a um, challenging question as well. <laughs> um, so in addition to like being a risk taker, um, I, I think traits of an entrepreneur, you have to be courageous, right? Um, I know people talk about being fearless. I think fear exists in a way. You just have to know where to place it in order to continue to do the thing. Um, and I, that takes a lot of courage to, to do. Um, and then... I'll say uh, discipline, um, I do believe is probably the hardest to master, right? Like creating those habits and being disciplined and like, I'm gonna spend a minute a day <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, doing one piece that's gonna move the needle forward to the thing that I wanna create or improve um, in what you're doing. And then um, I'll say the third trait um, would be self-motivated, right? Like you're not gonna always have a team, you're not gonna always have, you know, um, I think the creative process can be very lonely and um, I'll speak for myself where like I, I have to sometimes zone out or really just focus in and be in a place where like I can 
trust myself to keep the move the, the needle for or the needle moving forward yeah um but yeah i would say discipline is, is the hardest thing creating those habits and sticking to them a hundred percent is the hardest thing. absolutely there there's that 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 overlap where i'm looking at the creative work and doing the podcast and doing the work that's associated with that and doing the uh more of the admin more of the entrepreneurial side and doing consulting and things of that nature. And I find that I need to have one kind of help serve the other and be able to split that time between the two. But if I'm not giving one of them is due, I know when I return to it, it's going to suck for a bit. And, you know, like before, like, I, like, I think I was telling you a little bit um, at the beginning that I was working on this, the side project. Right. And, I wasn't really attending to the questions that I needed. I kind of took a couple of weeks off, you know, it was needed. I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was like, all right, let me get all of this bunk out of there. Let me get all the bad questions out. Let me retool. And I think that's one of the other traits there too. You're always having to work at it. If you're online, you have like a website for your business, you need to be tweaking it. You need yeah. to be always doing something. If you're designing something, it's, it's like that quote about painters. They're never really like, done and never really finished. They kind of just stop. Yep. <laughs> so, so that's what it is really. Or I'll, like right now, as we've been talking, I've been tweaking questions the entire time. That's probably why you see me typing. You're probably thinking like, he is not interested. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm trying to come up with some stuff, I'm trying to sound like I know something. Well, I, I think that's, that's the beauty of being a, an entrepreneur and an artist, right? You have to be nimble. You have to be fluid in in the way that you do and the way that you create, right? Yeah. Like I think a lot of people, especially I'll speak for myself. Um, you know, I, I do get stuck in the, it has to be this way. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist working on that, but, um, you have to allow room for that fluidity and those breaks to really just continue to be able to have the stamina to, yeah. to keep, to, to keep creating. I'm, I'm not a dad. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, not a parent. I look at my creative work as kind of like my, my child in, in some regards, but almost like the second child. It's like that thing they say, the first one, oh no, you gotta get them all the shots, you gotta do all this stuff. The second one is like, look, you can juggle chainsaws. I don't care. <laughs> like you're good, you got it. Yeah. Uh, so I got two last real questions and then there's gonna be those rapid fire questions that Sabrina, you're not getting away from. No one escapes them. It's it's the Jason Voorhees, right, of of questions. No, stupid. Um, and, and, and could you, in, in, in terms of doing one thing well, could you summarize what you do and like, you know, really put it out there? Like some, like, like for instance, I would say, Hey, you know, if I'm explaining this to my parents, Hey, Robert, what do you do? I just be talking to people. Yeah. That's not really good, but you know, it's, it makes it easier. So for, for somebody who just doesn't get it, doesn't understand anything that's been said so far, really in this pod, what would you say that you do in terms of doing that one thing really well? Yeah, I was definitely going to answer one way, but um, as it relates to just, you know, this conversation, I really help bring ideas to life, right? Like I, I was going to say I overthink, like I'm great at overthinking, um, but I, it plays into, you know, the, the strategic aspect of my role where, um, you know, there's, there's so many ideas that, um, or ide ideas that my team has that I have that, um, can help solve problems within our organization, within our community, within the education, art and design space. Um, but I really help bring those ideas to life and make it tangible for somebody to experience. Thank you. And lastly, um, 
what would you say is on the horizon for the Office of Open Studies in 2023? Yeah, um, so... Open Studies, we are a small but mighty team. Um, when I started in 2019, there were seven of us and we are, I think, at 14 or 15 people. Um, so we've, we've basically doubled in size in our team um, to serve, you know, over a thousand students per year across all of our programs. And um, when I came on board, I really helped build the frameworks, the marketing frameworks, the brand frameworks um, to promote not only the academic unit, but all of the programs that we that we um, offer. And as a result of this type of um, marketing and brand frameworks being in place, we are able to serve more students, bring in more students, um, and also introduce new ideas and programs and curriculum into the unit. And uh, what we're currently working on, um, our team is working on a couple of different research projects that are related to redesigning the programs that we do have in, in in existence. And we are also researching new um, offerings, uh, new degree offerings, which is a huge undertaking. Um, so in 2023, people can definitely look out for um, an expansion of our team, but also just new offerings for people that want to learn about art and design, whether that's a degree program or a non-degree program. Thank you. So plans, plans coming. I love to hear it. Uh, so it's, it's now time for some rapid rapid fire questions. All of the goodwill, all of the goodwill that I've established. Just gonna just just ruin it. Uh, so here's the, here's the first one because you know I think it's it's almost a natural segue to kind of continue with the theme of open studies a little bit. But here's the degree of difficulty. Um, they don't have to connect. It doesn't have to be a phrase or anything. But what are three words that come to mind that you would use to describe open studies? Innovative, expansive, and resourceful. I thought you were going to go with all vowels for a second. I was like, look, that's too easy. I can't do it. You're thinking, you're thinking some synonym and I'll be really tight about it. I don't like it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, go to snack. Oh, go to snack. Oh, man. Um, mm, this is boring, but I'm just going to say almonds. Okay. I like almonds. Yeah, almonds are good. So what was, what was the last book that you read? Oh, finished or read? I'm currently reading. Well, reading. That's fine. Currently reading um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Totally forgot the name of the author, but it is great. It is suspenseful and great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, like part of the day is kind of what I'm looking for, but you, you could take it however you want to, but usually I'm looking for like that part of the day. When do you get your best ideas? Like I, I read that people get their best ideas when they're doing something boring, something mundane, like ironing a shirt, washing dishes, taking a shower. What, when are you getting your best ideas? Um, that's also very a good question. I would say my best ideas come in the evening. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, mostly in the evening. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I, I, it depends where I'm at also, right? Like if I'm on vacation during the day, like, Last week I was in Belize and I was like having all of these ideas for work, unfortunately or fortunately. Um, but I was drinking coffee at seven o'clock in the morning and those ideas came in. But for nice. the most part, in the evening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been doing this thing of making sure I have like a pen and a notepad on me because I was um, walking. I was walking in Austin and I saw like it was one hundred and six degrees. But two, I was walking and I saw like a bumper sticker 
like on someone's car. And it's like the only magic that I still believe in is love. And I was like, that's a corny thing. But also, I feel like I'm going to turn it into a question somehow. And I did. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely something that I steal or I'm inspired by. And I need to keep something on. I need to keep that thing on me to uh, <laughs> if I was Kwame Brown, it'd be hot sauce or uh, <laughs> never mind. Last question. Uh, what is something that filled your cup in the last year? What is something that filled my cup in the last year? Uh, I would say visiting my niece and nephew, my brother and sister-in-law. They live in Phoenix, Arizona. And the first trip after I got my second, um, was it the second vaccine? I don't even remember anymore. But my first trip was to Phoenix. And um, yeah, just spending time with my niece and nephew who are six and nine years old um, filled my cup tremendously. Family time is great. I was I was able to see my brother when I was in uh, Austin, and uh, he, he drove down. He and, he and his wife drove down from uh, from Waco, a ninety minute drive. And I was like, "You came down here just to get tacos and, and peace out." He's like, "I can't oh. see you, bro." I was like, "I, oh, I appreciate it." Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So. That's pretty much all the questions that I have. Um, but I want to, one, thank you for coming on to this podcast. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to um, share anything you feel like we, we omitted about um, your background, um, open studies, and tell the fine folks if they, uh, where to check out things if they want to learn more. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with you today. So for those of you who would like to find more information about open studies, uh, you can follow us on all the socials at Micah Open Studies. You can also check out mica.edu slash open studies. And uh, there you'll see all the list of uh, programming classes that we have um, coming up. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Sabrina DePest for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art, design, entrepreneurship, all of that good stuff in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 